welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. This series we've been doing uh, has been an absolute blessing to bring to you. Um, we've been, had some incredible feedback. Who's, who's got something out of this particular series? Who's learned something through this series? Who's been encouraged? And who's been slightly challenged? Good. Because when you talk about relationships, and that's what we've been doing for the last four weeks, you can't help but get a little bit happy, a little bit sad, a little bit mad, and a little bit of everything in between. Because the Bible, I believe, is very real. And if it's presented in a real way, it should hit us where we're at. And uh, I trust that through this series, you will be able to do your relationships better. Because unfortunately, what I found to be true, and this is the heart behind why we went into this series in the very first place, is that so many people I know, and I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say this, but they are relationally retarded. And by retarded, I simply mean that they have stunted growth. That's all retarded means. And when it comes to relationships, there's a lot of people that have stunted in their growth. They just have not grown relationally. Not because they're bad people, but for the most part, they just don't know how to do it. Because without the Word of God and without good teaching, all you've got is television. And there's not a lot of great stuff on television these days that's going to help you to do your relationships well. In actual fact, as we conclude our series tonight, the subject matter is a little bit daunting because there's not one television program on air right now that is going to back anything I'm about to say. I cannot think of something on television or in the media anywhere that concurs with what I'm about to talk to you about. And so it's quite daunting. And it really does need a measure of strength and courage just to share these things because so much of what I want to share to you is just deemed old-fashioned, boring, irrelevant. And that's fine. Everyone's due to their opinion. I get that. But you can't just say that without looking at society. And so before I say a word about the subject matter tonight, I want you to weigh out what I share in the context of society right now. And with this promiscuous, do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be, wherever you can, whenever you can, society in which we live, is society getting better? That's what I want you to put as the foundation of everything I'm about to share. Not your preference, not necessarily what you've heard or grown up with. Ask yourself this, with all of us doing whatever we want to do, is society getting better? Is the family unit getting stronger? Are marriages getting stronger? Or is there a breakdown in families? Is there a breakdown in families? Yes, there is. Is there a breakdown in marriages? Yes, there are. Are there a breakdown in relationships? Yes, there are. As a result of us just doing whatever we want to do. And so I want to speak into a culture that is totally counterculture to the one the Bible speaks about. In actual fact, our whole series has been about this. We've covered many subjects so far in our Sweet Relationship series. We've talked about sweet foundations. 
Sweet resolutions, sweet talk, sweet love, sweet forgiveness, sweet boundaries. This morning I spoke about sweet dreams. And to conclude our series, I want to talk about something I've entitled Sweet Sex. If you're young and you want to giggle, laugh now. Just get it out. Just turn to someone and go, ha, 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 ha. Just get the awkwardness out of this place. Just say, he said sex. Yeah, sex, sex, sex. I said it. Just, just get it out. Laugh, whatever it takes, because I want your attention tonight. And yes, we are in church. And what better place to learn about sex than in church? Because there's lots of opinions about sex. In fact, the average man has sexual thoughts every 20 seconds. <laughs> and there's a lot of above average men here, so let's make that every 10 seconds. And we're in a room full of women as well. We've got older and younger. And the media's not backing me. This is a tough job. I know there are some parents here and you've got your kids here and they're, they're young of age and you're thinking, you better watch what you say. So I've got that pressure as well. Two of those young kids are ours. And so I'm thinking, Tony, you better watch what you say. So it's a tough job. Father, help me. Just, just shout out right now. Help him, Jesus. I need help. I need help. Here's the real problem. The problem is not that we don't think about sex or do think about it. The real problem is that we don't think deeply enough about it. And it's my desire tonight in the short time that I have to reconnect God to sex and sex to God. And in order to do this, we've got to go back to the beginning. If you want to solve any of your problems, you've got to go back to the beginning. Most people never do that. They go back to their hurt. But you've got to go back to the beginning. And what better place to start than in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. If you don't, please read on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the message version of the Bible tonight. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 says, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper, a companion. And so God formed from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the field and all the birds of the air He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle. He named the birds of the air. He named the wild animals. But he didn't find a suitable companion. And so God put the man into a deep sleep. And as he slept, he removed one of his ribs and replaced it with flesh. 
God then used the rib that He'd taken out from the man to make woman and presented to her, to the man. The man said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He named her woman for she was made from man. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife and they became one flesh. The two of them, the man and his wife, were naked and they felt no shame. Now this may seem like a fable to you. This may seem like a story to you. This may seem far-fetched to you. This may be hard to believe, understand or comprehend. I get that. It's hard for me to comprehend. But we have to look at the alternatives. If this is not how man came to planet Earth, how did we get here? Science tells me that we did not come that way. The way we came was many billions of years ago, there was nothing. And that nothing exploded and became something. And then that something grew and over billions of years, we got here. Now, Genesis chapter two, hard to believe. I get it. Scientists, there was nothing and nothing exploded and became something. That's harder to believe. Whatever you believe takes a measure of faith because we weren't there. How this world was formed takes a measure of faith. What are you going to put your faith in? The Word of God or the scientists that are telling us that there was nothing and it exploded? That takes more faith, my friends, than believing in a God who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, dream, hope or imagine. And at His Word, He created all that is seen and unseen. I'm going for that. That's my worldview. That's my starting point. That's my beginning. That's my genesis. And so based upon that, I want to talk to you out of what I believe is the beginning. And in the beginning, we see that sex is a God idea. It's not just a good idea. It's a God idea. Turn to the person next and say, it's a God idea. See, when Adam and Eve came together, it says they became one flesh and it's talking about a physical union. It's talking about sexual intercourse. And that was God's intention. It wasn't like God made man and woman and all of a sudden, as He walked in the cool of the evening, He stumbled across these two doing something and thought, oh my gosh! What are they doing? Where did they get that idea? God was not surprised. When Adam and Eve got it on, he wasn't shocked. It was his idea. It was his plan. It was his purpose. We have gone so far from the truth that people are shocked that the church would speak about sex and yet the God we say we worship invented it. Why should we 
be ashamed to speak about such topics when it's our Father, our God, our Creator, who's the one who invented it in the first place. Sex is a God idea. And I believe God wants us in the confines of marriage to enjoy sex. This is something that many church leaders have not fully grasped. Augustine said this, that sex between a husband and wife is okay, but it cannot be enjoyed. And yet Song of Solomon talks a lot about sex. It's actually very descriptive. And there's a lot of pleasure mentioned in the context of that portion of Scripture. And so sex is for pleasure and procreation because it's a God idea. Secondly, sex needs to be talked about. It says that Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. They didn't see sex as something that was dirty and vile and disgusting and had to be kept in secret. And just as it wasn't embarrassing for them, it should not be embarrassing for us. The trouble with the church and many Christians is that we've got awkward around this subject and it's got embarrassing and as a result of our embarrassment, we haven't said anything and we've had to leave our kids to find out through other means. And we've abdicated our authority as parents to speak about a very real subject that needs addressing. Can I say to every parent with young kids in this place, if you don't talk about it, they will learn about it and they'll learn about it in the wrong place. And so we need to be unashamed. And so for those of you who have young kids, you need to have age appropriate, I want to say that age appropriate conversations with your children. They don't need all the detail when they're five years old. Age-appropriate conversations. And those conversations will grow and become more mature as they get older. But don't ever, don't ever get embarrassed. Oh, man, please don't say, oh, Deb, 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 see your mother. Don't do that. Yeah, but she's a daughter. No, 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 you're the head of the home. You lead those discussions. And you lead them well. And you lead them confidently. And you bring some godly wisdom because there's so much rubbish out there you think about what's on television your favourite program right now flies in the face of what I'm preaching and if we don't speak up because we're too embarrassed maybe we're not speaking up because we don't know the answers find out There are some great books. Get to our resource centre and ask Jen and the team. So I need some books. If you're embarrassed, wait until everyone's gone and just wait until it's just you and whatever. Just We've got to get comfortable in and around the subject. So if you're a husband, sorry, if if you're a parent, do not be ashamed to speak to your kids. If I can speak to those that are married right now, Do not be ashamed to speak to your husband or wife about this subject. 
Sex is a God idea. We've already established that. But what works for you and what doesn't work for you, and I don't want to be crass. I realize we've got young people here, but hear me out. What you like and what you don't like can vary between couples. And the Bible is silent on a lot of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And I believe it's through talking to your husband or wife and having fun in the experimentation that you will learn what's good for you as a couple. And what's good for you as a couple and what's vulgar to you as a couple that the Bible is silent on. Don't put that onto other people. Don't go, I don't believe in that. That's disgusting. If the Bible's silent on it, it might be disgusting to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong for someone else. So husband and wife talk. One of the biggest problems in relationships in general is that we don't talk enough. And if you're not talking, relationships get under strain. And if we're not talking about sex in particular, what's going to happen is we're not going to know what each other wants or likes. And so we're going to go elsewhere to find out. This is about us having sweet relationships. If you feel that your relationship has gone too far in this regard, please humble yourself and seek help. Whether it's the eldership team in this church, whether it's someone that you really trust and, and can see something of maturity in their marriage, please don't just go to anybody. Because your marriage is important to us. And your marriage is important to God. And so can I say to every married couple, no matter how bad your marriage may presently be, don't just put it in the too hard basket. Seek help. I'm not going to promise you that overnight it will be changed, but little by little, if you are committed, we have seen the worst possible situations turn around for the good where people are willing to talk. Adam and Eve felt no shame. As people of this church, I don't want us to feel ashamed about talking about such subjects. Some of you older ones who have been married for 30 and 40 and 50 years and feel like you know, you're, you're, you know, you're just old now and you've got nothing to offer. Oh, you've got so much to offer. Yeah. Our young ones need you. Yeah. They need you. What you grew up as part of normal culture, it's not like that anymore. They need you. Young ones, seek out some of these older ones who've been married for a long period of time. It'll be awkward. But just do what I did. Just, just get the laughter out to start with and just start somewhere. This is not awkward for me. I'll tell you why. Because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Whatever you do for a long period of time, you get better at. So of course, when you've never done it before, it's awkward. It'll be clumsy. It may even get worse before it gets better. But talk. Yeah. Sex needs to be talked about. In a godly way. Thirdly, sex is not the goal. 
Sex is not a goal. God said to Adam in verse 18 that it's not good for man to be alone. Up until this point, everything that God created was good, but he said being alone is not good. And so God's desire for Adam was not sex, but a suitable helper, a companion, someone to draw alongside and help and double his influence and have koinonia, have have relationship and depth of relationship and companionship. Someone to talk with, someone to cry with, someone to laugh with, someone to play cards with, someone to kick the soccer ball with. When you make sex a goal, you distort the view of God's intention behind relationships. Adam was alone. He was lonely, not horny. And God saw in him that loneliness and created somebody to come alongside. And as the icing on the cake, as something that enhances a relationship, sex finds its place. But the moment you make sex a goal, you distort a relationship. When we were growing up, and maybe the language has changed, and and, and don't laugh at me, young people, if I've got it wrong these days, because you say something else. But I know all the banter when I was growing up in my teenage years, all the guys say, I scored last night. They scored a goal because they got lucky with a girl. And there was nothing about relationship. It was just about some physical act. And when we make it just about sex, you'll never have sweet relationships. Hence why I believe we see society as it is today. There are guys that have slept around with hundreds of different partners. Some thousands of different partners. And yet they've never had one Quality relationship. I don't know why we make such a big deal of scoring because that's the easiest part. But to make a relationship work, if you want to challenge me, if you want to be a real man, you make a relationship work. That's tough. Going to the nightclub next Saturday night and scoring, that's easy. But hanging around, And working things through. And trying to find the mystery that is that person of the opposite sex. Trying to please it. That will keep you busy for the rest of your life. That's the challenge. You want to be a real man? Stick around. Love one woman for the rest of your life. Get to know her. If you can do that, you are a real man. A miracle man. (laughs) Strong man. And so sex is not the goal. Number four, there's no such thing as just sex. 
I, I know we've seen it on television and I know you've heard it many times. It's just sex. There's no such thing. Not according to God. There's no such thing as just sex. Going back to the beginning. God saw the loneliness, saw that it was not good. And the context here is Adam is looking for a partner. And so God has all the animals come through. And God, sorry, Abraham, Adam names each of the animals. Sees this big long thing, long neck, gangly, uh, long neck, gangly legs, giraffe, big hairy critter comes through, gorilla, big cat-like creature with big mane, lion. But when he's done it all, he's named all the animals, it says this, no suitable helper could be found. It wasn't just a naming of the animals moment, it was looking for a partner moment. And when every animal had passed by, no suitable helper could be found. And so God has to go to work and create yet again. What he created first was man and that was good, but when he created woman, it was very good. I think that's significant. That no suitable helper could be found among the animal kingdom. Why? Because Adam was not an animal. And nor are you. Human beings are not part of the animal kingdom. We have been created in the image of God. We are unlike any animal on this planet. Because we're not animals. We are human beings. And God created us, body, soul, and spirit. See, we are both physical and spiritual. Animals are just physical. Angels are just spiritual. But we are human beings. And to be fully human is to be fully human. Body, soul, and spirit. If you want to live the life you went to live, we've got to be alive physically, spiritually, mentally, relationally. Everything we do, you've got to catch this, involves everything we are. And so when you have physical intercourse with someone, it's not just a physical act. It's a spiritual act. It involves your soul. It involves your whole being. You give yourself to someone, you give themselves body, soul and spirit. And so there's no such thing as just sex. You know, one of the big arguments amongst the homosexual community is that there's so many animals that swing both ways. And there's this animal and this animal and they, they all have homosexual tendencies. But that's the point. We're not animals. We've been created in the image of God. And as a result, there's no such thing as just sex. For the animals there are. 
I mean, we had a, a blessed little dog named Sam. We had him for 14 years, and God bless him. I loved him, but he was a pain in the neck. He was either jumping as high as he could trying to catch a ball, or that time of year, if there was a leg to grab, he grabbed a leg. Female leg, male leg, man, boy, what, what, as long as there was, he didn't care, just physical, because he's an animal. And I think it's so sad that people that have been created in the image of God, the apple of his eye, have reduced themselves to animalistic tendencies. If the church has a message, it's this, you're better than that. We're not here judging. We're here caring and saying, you're better than that. It's not that you're not allowed to. We're just saying, you're better than that. You're not an animal. You can control your urges, unlike the animal kingdom. Didn't matter what you said to Sam. He was just, it was game on. But we, unlike the animal kingdom, have the power of choice. We can say no. Animals can't say no. And every one of you in this room, no matter what you believe, you're better than the animal kingdom. Because you're not an animal. And you shouldn't act like one. And you shouldn't let anyone treat you like one. Young girls, don't let any boy, no matter how sweet he is, no matter how charming he is, no matter how good looking he is, no matter how well built he is, don't let him treat you like an animal. No such thing as just sex. And my last point tonight is this, that sex has a time and a place. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother, embraces his wife, and they become one flesh. In other words, they sleep together. Can you see the natural order? In the beginning, a man leaves his mother and father to embrace his wife, and then they sleep together. You get the order. A man leaves his mother and father embraces his wife, and then they sleep together. That's, that's the biblical pattern. The order is leave home, get married, have sex. Which is the exact opposite of today's culture. Today, we have sex. We don't get married. And these young blighters, they never leave home. It's the exact opposite. And society is better for it or worse? Please don't just say the church is being judgmental. To say that is to kiss your brains goodbye. Look at society. As a result of men sleeping together, people sleeping together, and that happens too, not getting married, And not leaving home. Is society better? It's not. God had a plan. Mum and dad have kids. Those kids grow up. They leave home. 
You can't live at home forever, kids. Get a job, leave home. 25 years old, 26 years old, and still at home. Leave home! It's not right. 30 years of age, 40 years... Leave! Leave home, get married, celebrate. Leave home, get married, bound chicka wow wow. <laughs> Do it the other way around, and you have what we've got today. In closing, I want to quickly answer this one question. Why should we wait? I think I've done that in measure, but let me just spell it out for some of you who need a little bit more. Why should you wait? Why should you be a pure virgin before you marry? Why? Because in your waiting, you develop other areas of your relationship. It's amazing when, when, when sex is off the table, you, you've got to talk. God forbid, oh man, we've got to, you've got to talk, got to get to know each other. Yes, 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 yes. That's why. You develop other areas of your relationship. By waiting, you make better lovers. Because you will have learnt the art of self control. You'll have learned that it's not all about you. See, this culture has taught us to be selfish. Get everything you want when you want it. But when you've learned the art of waiting, you'll actually make for better lovers. It removes the curse of comparison. Many young girls have this fear that they just don't measure up. And so by not sleeping around, you just remove that problem. In the waiting, it earns trust. You know, when, when, when you haven't learned to say no to certain things, and then you get married, there's this question, if they didn't say no to me, maybe they won't say no to somebody else. But if you can learn to say no... Oh, ladies, how, how, what kind of security does it bring when you marry a man who, who overcame his urges, who overcame the temptation, who, who said, as much as, I, as much as I would love, love, love to touch you right now, I'm saying no. I'm telling you, you go into a marriage with that, there's a good chance it could last. You will have earned some trust. We go into relationships and we've never learned to say no. One of the biggest problems with our parenting is we just spoil our kids. Our kids know that no means no. BJ, she's five. If you go up to her tonight and say, what does no mean? She said, no means no. In other words, we will not be bargained. No does not mean five hours of fighting. No means no. That is it. That's what it means. 
And I want her to learn the power of no. So when some guy that has impure intentions may draw up alongside her, she can say an absolute no with conviction. And she knows what no looks like. And no is not no, but in five hours it becomes a yes. No means no. Whatever it is, you'll avoid the unwanted. What I mean by that, pregnancies, AIDS, other STDs, fatal attractions. There's some real psychopathic people out there. There's some real nut cases out there. There's some real nut jobs. You can avoid all that. The government's got this problem. They're giving out condoms. How do we get rid of this AIDS and this epidemic? (laughs) Let's go back to the beginning. Just say no. If you want to know what to put on for safe sex, it's called a wedding ring. Cheers, Tone. <laughs> Preaching well. Mate, my son, Mitch, we're driving home this morning. And he said, Dad, you were on fire this morning. He said, I was feeling for you, dude. That's what he said. He says, there was one moment you were preaching and the place should have erupted, but it didn't. If that was Rich, Jr., Wilkin, Rich Wilkerson Jr., they would have gone crazy with his American accent. It's okay, Mitch. I know they love me. That's a cue, Mitch. Stand up. So go, man. Whatever. Woo! Come on. Come on, JJ. On your feet. <laughs> okay, now sit down. And you know what? In waiting, you'll have something to look forward to. As parents, we've been really careful not to give our kids everything they want. It's not necessarily we can't afford it. But we just want to give them something to look forward to. And so whether it's makeup for girls or whether it's ears being pierced, not against those things. As I keep saying, some ladies should definitely wear makeup. There's a, there's a time and place. Six years old beauty queens, really? Really? Let them be kids. Let them eat worms. Let them play in the dirt. Let them climb trees. Plenty of time to dress up like adults. Are you against that? Yes, I am. Six-year-olds should be rolling around in the dirt, eating sour sobs and worms. And That's what they should be doing. They should be climbing trees and getting splinters and falling out and dusting themselves off. 
And if it's a bone sticking out, just get on with it. Just... <laughs> I think our kids only come when there's an absolute, absolute disaster because they know they're going to get lectured. This better be, this better be serious. So this is like, oh, just chew my ear. I forget it. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> We've got 15-year-olds that have done everything. And they're bored. And now all they've got is drugs, drugs, and more drugs. And as a result, we have the highest rate of teen suicide in the Western world. It's not working. Normal ain't working. It's not working. So how far can you go? So Tony, I'm, I, I want to stay pure. How far can I go? It's the wrong question. Here's a better question. Song of Solomon's chapter 8 verse 4 says this. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you. There goes to the men too. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. A better question than how far can you go is this. Does what I'm doing arouse or awaken desire? If I start saying to you, you're not allowed to hold hands, the first thing you're going to want to do is hold hands. The moment I say kissing is out, you're going to want to kiss. I think it's better for you to be in a relationship with God's people. Belong to a church. Get involved in a connect group. Have someone you trust that you can flesh these things out and talk these things out. Because all of us are wired differently. I believe with all my heart it's possible for some young couple to hold hands and it be absolutely pure. And there's no desire to want to go further. It's just sweet and innocent. Other young guy who's a little bit more active in his mind holds hands and thinks, oh, this is, this is, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And already he's thinking of the next thing. That might not be good for him. So it might be possible that you can hold hands and you can't. If we start going, are you allowed to kiss? And if you're allowed to kiss, are you allowed to use tongue? And like, I'm not going there. You know what awakens desire in you. I don't want to tell you what to do. My dad never told me what to do. He taught me how to think. And that's all I want to do for anyone, any audience that will care to listen. I just want to teach you how to think. To sit in front of pornography and say, you know, that doesn't awaken desire. That's the sole purpose of pornography. If you sit in front of pornography and don't get aroused, then you're probably dead. the whole purpose of the porn industry and so to those that are single they want to know how far should I go I don't know for a guy like me the way I'm wired if I was single I would have some very strict boundaries on me but let's not be everyone else's police and judge and juror Let us get it right. So the better question to ask is what awakens desire in you? I hope you've heard my heart tonight. 
you're visiting for the first time, if you belong to another church, if you belong to another religion, if you, if you are a scientist and didn't like what I said earlier on, you have to ask yourself before you totally write off what I've shared. There's some truth to it. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.